Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Wow, this is an exciting episode because this is our season finale. What? Yes, season three. Uh, it's just been such a great journey over this past year and a half. Has it only been a year and a half? <laughs> has it? I, yes. yes, I think it. Oh. oh my gosh, it feels like lifetimes ago, doesn't it? I know it does, but this has been such an incredible season, and we are so grateful for all of our guests and all of our listeners. And uh, this this episode is special. I guess a full disclosure, we should talk about um, when we recorded this episode. Yes. So we actually recorded this episode several weeks ago um, in anticipation of the um, the opening of a new play that is in that. So it's in our hometown, but really it's in my hometown. Like it's like uh, the theater is like five minutes away from my house. Um, but life happened like this has been this has been a, a challenging season scheduling wise because so much has been going on. And, um, and so we wanted to get this episode up sooner, but again, we just had things that, that got in the way, good things, but nonetheless things that got in the way. So, um, so you may hear, um, during the course of our interview, things that you're like, wait a minute, it's, uh, December, blah, blah, blah already. Like, didn't that pass? Yes, correct. You would be right. If you are paying that close attention you are right, but still, we we found it. We think it's an important episode, um, and um, and we wanted to share it with you guys. But before that, let's talk about what the heck has been going on, Tori. Yes, Mabel, you have had some just in, incredible, fantastical um, moments and things happening, especially over the last few weeks. There was the TYA Reimagine conference, yeah. which was, was that last week or the week before? I don't even remember. Oh my Corey. gosh. I feel like okay, it everyone. It just, it really does feel just like this crazy whirlwind. Um, but that those panels happened. There were three. It was Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, it was wonderful because we got to hear from all of the theater artists who won um, that inaugural grant. So there were eight artists. We got to hear from them. We got to hear from the theaters that they partnered with um, in the development of their plays. We got to hear from uh, some of the decision makers, some of those who were in the room when it happened. Um, one of our favorites and a past Aww. guest on the show, Idris Goodwin. That was fantastic. He led one of the panels that Mabel um, was on. And to hear from the directors of those different theaters, it was just, it, it, was, it was wonderful. And some very important conversations taking place. I believe you can still access those if you, I'm not, uh, okay, wait, I am not 100% sure but if if you can't, I, I I want to encourage everyone to go ahead and follow the um, TYA Reimagine um, folks on 
that website because they do really great work. And I know they're going to continue to do great work and continue to put, um, Oh, you, you're shaking your head. I can see Mabel. You can't. <laughs> uh, but I think I think this is going to happen again. I don't think they've made the official announcement yet, but I do believe that that Reimagine New Plays in TYA is coming back. So for those of you uh, who are interested in exploring all the, the magical world of, of pushing the boundaries of what TIA can be, I encourage you to, yeah, like to- Tori said, um, get on, like follow their socials. I think they have like a brand new Instagram. I think when I, when I followed them, there were like three followers. I may have been the fourth follower. Just hearing those conversations, it, it, again, we, um, these are important conversations that need to be had about how theater is presented and the people that are making the decisions about theater and how, and access, right? Oh gosh, you, you love how that's all I seem to talk about. Like that's that's what I will be known for is access, access, access. It's uh by the end of the week, I think people were probably but you need to hear about this, people. You need to hear about it. It's it's not just theater does not just belong to people who can afford to buy those tickets, who can afford to get to the theater. Theater belongs to everyone. So um once again, I'm not even going to go in there. You can wa- you can watch the uh, you can watch the panels and see me harp <laughs> on about it, but it is it is a very important issue for me. And um and that can I just look, look, here's a segue. Ready? Yes. So that is why I thought the um my involvement in the San Diego Symphony's production of Noel Noel at the Rady Shell was really amazing because one of the things that um, the director, Jonathan Gilmer, um, shared with me as we were touring the Rady Shell was that people don't have to buy tickets to enjoy the show. You can just hang out and you will hear the beautiful music and you will see the projections as you just be like in the surrounding area. So like really, um, yeah, if you want to uh, buy tickets and like, you know, get up close and have like dinner service because they do have dinner service there um that's cool but if you just want to hang out and like sit on the steps of the convention center like there were people like literally on benches right outside like there's these cool benches that you can just hang out right outside of I the saw venue those benches. And, yeah yes. and there were people that were like that were camped out there just like watching and listening to the show and i thought that was incredible i mean talk about access right it is yes. a, it is a space for the people i love that so um, that well, I, I was uh, really good. Let's back up so that we can talk about the the what led up to that event, though, because that was one of the other things that was happening. It was the same. Okay, it was last week because it was the same week as the panel. Yes, I guess as the panels. Yes, so uh, Mabel wrote the text that went along with the symphony's performance called Noel Noel. It was at the Rady Shell, which is this beautiful venue that is open air. So it's, it's outdoors, but it does look like a shell, you know, hence, hence (laughs) the name. Um, So it just looks like a nice big shell, uh, which I imagine is by design to uh, with the beautiful acoustics and the sound, you know, of having 
singers, actors, and a symphony underneath playing. And I know that they've had some musicians tour through. I know the Indigo Girls played there not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, talk about access. Um, so Mabel was invited to write the text. Do you want to talk about that? Um, hold on, because I want to talk about more about access. So oh. did you know... Because again, this is, I just think this is so wonderful. Did you know that when there is no show happening, when there's not like a, a concert happening, it's a park. So it's open to the public. So you can be, so the public, you can just like go hang out while the symphony is rehearsing. Isn't that amazing? When we were yeah, there. Yeah, you can bring a picnic. Yes, yeah, bring a yes. picnic, hang People out. Were. People were hanging out during the rehearsal. It was, it was amazing. Like how yeah. cool is that? What a gift. Oh my gosh. Seriously. Yes, and it it's right next to the water. It is so gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. If you and if you go there at night, oh my gosh, the view! Um, the evening that we went to see it, I got to be Mabel's plus one on closing night. Yay. It was just a three day event, but uh, did did I hear correctly that over ten thousand people yes. got to enjoy yeah. that? performance mm-hmm. oh the music it was just the 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 actors the singers they had the children the san diego um, children's choir uh san diego music chorale and of course the san diego symphony yes i mean all of these incredible artists came together um and there there was also an incredible um creative team behind it making everything happen. The one thing that I do want to say is like one of the cool things about working on this project is that uh, we were reunited with some people that we had worked with in the past. One of them being Brian Barberin, who I have had the pleasure of knowing. I think it's been over a decade, if not longer, but Brian uh, has been, um, I've worked with him uh, in the school programs, right? He's he's right. an actor, and I've brought him in to um to the residencies to perform the scripts for the kids, and the kids love him. But one of the the coolest things is that Brian has come inside juvenile hall with me and has been able to to give this gift of his talents to to these kids to see like what how really bringing their scripts alive and really in a respectful wonderful way to show them like you know when you have a an act i mean we saw this yesterday with your class right when you when you have professional actors honor the work it's like whoa i I didn't know i I didn't know that i could do that like that you know it really shows you the power of your of your pen as a playwright right yes yes and and i uh, yes i think that was directly what one of the kids said so this was a zoom class um, at juvenile hall, and I brought in uh, Mabel and a couple of other actors, and no. it was <laughs> okay. Mabel says she's not an actor, but ooh, she just does such a great job with those scripts. And uh, those those young men in that class, I believe that is exactly what one of them said. Wow, I didn't know. You know, hearing hearing actors do it. It just added, it adds that extra, I I mean, we know if we're in theater, right, that the actor's coming in to bring the script to life. I mean, that's that's the goal. (laughs) We do, but but also as playwrights, as playwrights, we we sometimes doubt 
ourselves and I like I'm I'm all, I'm all about the segues today because I I had written a script um a few months ago that I was not sure of that I was like ah this isn't going to work and then I heard uh an actor read the part read the, read the 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 main character and I was just like holy moly it's going to work but it's not going to work because of my script it's going to work because she is such an incredible talent and Here's the segue. Ready? I hear and it. I hear it. <laughs> having nothing to do with me. Like, I did not make this connection at all. But she actually ended up becoming or getting cast as Noel in Noel Noel. And that is the talented, brilliant Michaela Macias. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah. She and is I just a light. did not yes. know that she could sing. I did not know that. I know her. I know she's she's an incredibly gifted actor, but dude, the singing. Come on now. Yes. And I was fortunate enough to get to work with her um, when uh, Thelma Verada de Castro, also a previous guest on the podcast, did her tag project with Playwrights Project and Michaela was one of the actors and who I got to, I got to direct her and she was, I mean, it was very easy <laughs> to work with her, I should say. So just, just beautiful to see her up on stage. And then uh, Jacole Kitchen cast it and Jacole was, you know, also a previous guest on the podcast. Okay, Tori, let's talk about that episode. Yes. Because Jonathan, um, the director apparently yes. had listened to that episode. So is Jonathan the one who was doing the little paper dolls? Oh, you know what? He might have been. Now I need to go back. Now, and listen yeah, to the now episode. we have to go back and listen to the episode. But <laughs> oh my but, goodness, so like, talking about full circle. <laughs> wow. So. So everyone, that was last season. Yes. So it's it's really cool for us to make these connections, these little threads, um, which it, uh, there's one more thing that the Mabel, uh, another huge accomplishment for Mabel that I want to talk about. But here's my segue. I've already forgotten it. Oh, the threads. <laughs> threads. And that is that I am going to be a part of the New Village Art Final Draft New Play Festival that is coming up in January. It's going to be the first weekend in January, the 7th, 8th, and 9th. And Christian St. Croix, what? What? Who, who, you know, Mabel and I very much fangirl out on Christian's work. He was our season opener mm -hmm. this season. And he had been a, a playwright. We we had had one of his five-minute plays on a previous season, right? And so we were introduced to him, fell in love with him and his work. And he was gracious enough to be our season opener. But then I found out, oh my goodness, his full-length play, Forgotten Beasts, was also chosen for this final draft festival. And so... Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing a reading of that play. Um, I have a 10 minute play called box of teeth that is going to be read 
beautiful play. along with some other winners and we will um, hopefully have those up so I can put it in the show notes but that's exciting and now I'm going to uh, go back to Mabel because the other did you want to say something yeah I-, I was just gonna say that uh, we had mentioned that we're going to to go see Christian's play uh, if, if all the the stars align and uh, Tori we have uh Booked the uh, well, the hotel. We got the tickets. tickets. <laughs> we got the we we we're good. We're going. Yeah, so, we're going. Uh, we're going. We're going. So we are not stalkers. We are enthusiastic. We kind supporters. of are. <laughs> okay, sure. What a stalker! No. I'm an enthusiastic supporter. It is a little creepy. Whatever. Yeah, I know. But but Fine. we are very excited. Uh, when I read Christian's play uh, Monsters of the American Cinema. I wanted to see how this would look on stage. Same, me too. And that's why Mabel and I went, oh, they are doing it in Seattle. We're going. And so that's how that came. That's how that came about. Um, So that that is exciting. And it's New Village Arts, but they're actually doing these performances at Oceanside Theater Company. I believe they are having some construction done at MVA. I want to come back to Mabel. Because the other amazing thing that happened last week was the release of a book. It's a collection of 10-minute plays called I Have a Story. Mabel co-wrote a 10-minute play with her son. My child! With her child, who I just, uh, I, I love this play. I love this play. And I am I'm so incredibly proud of both of them. And oh my gosh, to be published as a kid. Hello. I know. Hello. hello. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to bring him on the podcast. He's too, <laughs> in the interview. He's too big. He's too big for He's us. too big. But he won't do it. He did did he what did he sign in your book? Oh my god. Wait, it'll make me cry just saying it. <laughs> He thanked me for being his first playwriting teacher. Oh my gosh, I really am tearing up. Because <laughs> so you were his first playwriting teacher. Well, we co-taught. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't listen to me. I'm just his mother. Yeah, but he's he's wonderful. And so are you. Oh. And there are, it's a collection. So there are plays that are co-written with other playwrights of note, Idris Goodwin, and young people. So they collaborated, these adults collaborated with children to write these 10 minute plays. And that's why this is a unique collection of plays. Yes, this was put together by Jenny Millinger and Julia Hogan Lawrenson. So it's a beautiful collection. I also want to shout out that Jose Cruz Gonzalez is also in here. um, Who was in our it was who was a guest this season as well. And and is I can't even say how what a what a wonderful human being he is and what a a master and just such a generous just a generous human being. You know what, Tori? The people that we bring on the show, you know. I know. There was someone else in there who was connected with that TYA festival. Four of the uh eight grantees are in this book. So Lee Cataluna, Ramon Esquivel, Jose Cruz Gonzalez, and myself, Mabel Reynoso. That was the Spanish version of my name. I love it. So that is a gift idea, everybody. That is a gift for, idea. Uh, especially for the young 
reader or if you're introducing somebody to theater, a young person, this is a great segue in. You can do these at your schools. Yes. I would say these are plays because they are appropriate for kids. Yes. You know, so. But that. I have to say, Tori, I was reading these plays and like, it's really cool to have this this capsule of like what what kids are thinking about because it's not just about covid it's about uh i mean you know 2020 2021 a lot of turmoil so it addresses um race relations and fear and gaming lots of video game action happening in this like it's just it is a really cool document of the times as um as interpreted by young people. So I'm really proud of, of being, being asked to be a part of this. And, um, and I'm really, I think like this collaboration, cause uh, you know, I got to work with my kid was one of the coolest things I have ever done in my life because um, just, it was just a really special experience and just thinking about what we chose to write about um, Halloween. That was, we, I just, it was going to be the worst Halloween ever. And then it ended up, I'm going to cut this out. And then it ended up being the best Halloween ever. And he was like, this is the greatest Halloween ever, even though there was no trick or treating and it was just watching movies, staying in and watching movies. So I don't think you should cut it. (laughs) I, 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 I love that. I love how we are. If we're in the spirit of reimagining, we are reimagining. Yeah. Everything. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think that for your child to have that mindset, that that helps with resiliency, right? Yeah. Yeah. To be able to shift, to to be flexible, to be open to possibilities. To pivot. To pivot. So that's right. So want to see that play. Tori's got a play called Pivot that I just It'll happen. Wanna see- I just I just need to first start with a reading and then we can move from there. So now um, about today's episode. Yes. As we mentioned, we did record this a couple of weeks ago, but it's because all of these amazing things were happening and the play that is happening at on stage. Well, it's happening right now. happening right now yeah so we talk quite a bit about a people's cuban christmas tale and that is by our guest herbert seguenza um, directed by james darvis at onstage playhouse in chula vista now let's take a listen to our final interview of season three which was recorded over zoom I am so excited about our guest today i met him a few years ago and i feel like i'm now on this mission to find the opportunities to work with him whenever I can. Whenever he puts out the call, I'm there because he is such an important figure in um, Latinx theater, in the San Diego theater community, and he is a treasure for the theatrical world. I would love to welcome Herbert Siguenza to our podcast. Welcome, Herbert. Hello, hi. That's really (laughs) kind of you. Um, I'm I'm happy to be uh, here on a guest of your podcast. Thank you. So this is an exciting week for you because you're opening a show. Um, but we will get to that because yeah. first we want to talk about about the beginnings. Yes, yes. the beginnings. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, so you have an interesting path into theater. Could you tell us about that? Yes. Well, I'm definitely in uh, what you call a veterano, a veteran of the th Latinx stage uh, when we were Chicanos. <laughs> um, I, you know, I definitely come out of the Chicano uh, theater movement. Uh, I even worked with El Teatro Campesino and Luis Valdez in the 80s. Um, I'm from San Francisco. And when, you know, when you grow up in San Francisco, you grew up watching the San Francisco Mime Troupe. You know, you, you grew up with a, a kind of a liberal-minded theater, you know, progressive-minded theater. And that's what I grew up with. And then you added Teatro Campesino to the mix. And, you know, which I, I joined for a couple of summers and did plays with them up in San Juan Bautista. And then in 1984, um, we formed Culture Clash. It was a, uh, an experiment in an art gallery to uh, do an, um, a comedy show, just a straight you know, stand-up comedy show, sketch comedy show in an art gallery in 1984, Cinco de Mayo. And that became a 38-year career. You know? We're still together. The three of us are still together, Culture Clash. And uh, you know, we started as a comedy group um the first years and then you know we were all theater artists so we started writing plays uh comical plays and we did that for many many years in the bay area and then we moved to los angeles in the early 90s and kind of got discovered there found a bigger audience and then we started working in the regional theaters in fact san diego repertory theater was the first regional theater where that, that we were produced in and once you're, you know, once you're in the regional theaters, everyone hears about you. And we started um, getting hired and commissioned to write plays for other theaters around the nation. And that's what we've been doing. We've been doing uh, opening the doors really for Latinx theater artists for many years. We start, you know, we were very active in the 90s. We toured all over the nation. Uh, we had a television show for a little bit on Fox television in the early 90s. And uh, yeah. We, we, we really did open the door for a lot of uh, Latinx artists like Jose Rivera, like Karen Zacarias, Luis Alfaro, because we were uh, their contemporaries. In fact, a little uh, ahead of them by a, by a few years. And we were opening doors to all those regionals. Mm -hmm. And now um, I moved to San Diego about six years ago, and I'm the playwright in residence at the San Diego Repertory Theater through a Mellon, a Mellon uh, grant. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm here. Wow. So it, I was going to ask you about your relationship with San Diego Rep and how that came to be. And it sounds like it started with Culture Clash. Is that right? Yes, it started in culture, with Culture Clash in the early 90s. Yeah. So we've been, uh, we've been associated with the Rep for a long, long time, for 30 years. You know, they, like I said, Sam Woodhouse gave us our first opportunity on a regional stage and that gave us legitimacy to to approach other uh theaters to get produced yeah and so you know we've been produced at the mark taper forum in los angeles about i don't know six times um so that's kind of our other base our other home base in los angeles so the group is based in los angeles the other two guys live there but now i'm based in san diego and san diego rep is kind of my my artistic home you were, a, I mean, you still are, and we'll talk about uh, Weekend mm -hmm. with Pablo Picasso, but you mm -hmm. you were a visual artist 
before, yeah. right? So how did you, how did you uh, like, like get into theater? Um, did you know, did you already, did you always know that you, that you would make your way into the theater or like, did it happen? Like, how did that? It kind of happened. Um, you know, I'm a political artist, even my, even my art, when I was doing my art in San Francisco in the early, I don't know, late eighties, in the eighties, uh, I did political posters. You know, I, I really, um, I really believe in educating people through the arts and poster making was a way of doing that. And then somebody approached me in San Francisco and said, Hey, would you like to do a, a play with us in Spanish? Cause there's no Spanish speaking theaters in the community. And, you know, we were doing a play and I joined the circus. I joined that theater group called Teatro Gusto and, and my life changed after that. I really, um, I really enjoyed acting and expressing myself and educating people directly. You know, a poster educates people indirectly, right? But mm -hmm. when you're in a theater, you're in the same room with people and you're feeling like you're really making a difference, like you're really reaching people's minds and hearts. And that's really why I became a theater artist. I'm not a... a I'm not a trained theater artist. I didn't go to, uh, you know, I didn't go to, I don't have a degree in art. I mean, I don't have a degree in theater. I have a degree in visual arts, but I don't have a degree in theater arts. I didn't, I, I'm very unacademic about it. I come from a real place. And I think to a certain degree, that's why, <laughs> I think to a certain degree, that's why we've been successful because we've had to create our own genre, our own style of theater, you know, without the, um, the baggage of, of, of history or the baggage of, of academia. Yeah. But yeah, but, I, but originally I was a, a visual artist. Yes. So I think what, I think that's interesting is that you, you really did create opportunities for yourself as like as culture class, right? Cause you were in yes. uncharted territory. So what kinds of challenges did you experience? Artists have to look for other people, like-minded people that, that want to support you. And when we were in San Francisco as young artists, young creators, you know, there were there were little theaters that wanted to help us, like the Asian American Theater in San Francisco, the intersection for the arts. These were these were guys that wanted, you know, the, that liked what we were doing. And so you got to find people that want to support your vision. And, and sure enough, they did. They helped us. They produced us. And that's how we became more and more professional. So by the time we reached the rep, you know, we had already had a bunch of productions done already. So it's really about, yeah, opening up your own opportunities. If you're a writer, you know, write your own stuff. Don't don't wait around the phone to to wait for somebody else to, you know, to to to, to cast you. I we we did not wait around. We 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 wrote our own stuff, we produced it, we acted in it, we did our own costumes totally self-sufficient and and that's how you have to be you know because you can't wait around for people to to see your vision or you know you have to do it yourself love that i think that's so true and san francisco is such uh wow just a a, a mecca of wonderful yes. theater like <laughs> and original work i was yes. there and i was there in the late 90s and i was operations manager of a small theater called the marsh and uh -huh, it yeah, was in, yeah, yeah sure. in the Mission District. On Valencia and Street, yeah. That's exactly right, yeah. And um, I met Marga Gomez there. She came and did a solo show, and solo theater was so big there. Um, yes. 
So when when did you start working on your solo show? Well, I, I imagine you've done several, sure. right, over the years. No, I, I, no actually, <laughs> I've only done one. The, the just yeah, just the fun. weekend. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, Marga Gomez, by the way, was an original member of Culture Clash. When we did that weekend in uh, 1984, she was part of the lineup. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I did go, not know that. I did yeah, no and Monica and Monica Palacios. She wow. was also. A, yeah. So we were. Yeah. And Jose Antonio Burciaga. So it was six of us the first weekend. It was six of us. And then in, and then, in, you know, then it went down to three. But it uh, the first two years it was six members, yeah. Wow. Two two women and four guys, yeah. Mm. Uh, and of course, Marga went on to be a legend as well, you know, in the LGBTQ uh, theater movement, and Monica Palacios also. And so, you know, um, well, anyway, but yeah, um, yeah, I you know, and it, you know, I'm with Culture Clash, which is you know three guys, and you know, but we all have different, we have different the. Uh, things that we're interested in and I'm, I'm an artist and I was interested in Picasso and I always wanted to do a play about Picasso since I was a little kid I saw a uh, I saw a book of Picasso in in the uh, in the dental office when I was seven years old and I picked it up and I asked my mom hey mom who's this guy I love him you know he, he paints like a child he has he has goats he has owls he has doves he has kids he runs around, you know, and he walks around with no, no shirt. He just has chonies on, you know, <laughs> I just thought, I thought this was like the coolest viejito I've ever seen in my life. Right. <laughs> and I told my mom this, I said, you know, when I grow up, when I'm a viejito, I want to be like this guy. <laughs> so have and you guess, achieved that? <laughs> and I guess I did achieve that to a certain degree, you know, um, walk, walking around I became a full-time artist. <laughs> Oh, there you go. <laughs> and that was always in the back of my mind. And so when I turned 50, I went to the rep and I told uh, Todd Salove there, the artistic director, mm. associate artistic director, hey, I really want to write a play about Picasso, you know, uh, based off this book I saw, uh, you know, where he's older and he's just painting and, uh, you know, talking about art and politics and stuff. And, and, and that's how... That's how the uh, my solo show Weekend with Pablo Picasso started. That's amazing, and that is a beautiful show, Herbert. I've, Thank you. I've seen your work in Culture Clash. I think I told you that it's one of the first dates that I went on with my husband was a Culture <laughs> Clash show a, a, a billion years ago. But seeing you perform um, a weekend with Pablo Picasso, and like, and also the, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful show, but then you're also making art in real time, which is incredible so we get to see your talents not only yeah. as a performer and a writer but also as a visual artist so yeah no I, you know that show is really uh, special to me because it really is the ultimate expression my ultimate expression where I'm able to paint and act you know do all the things I do well in one you know evening and so it's it's really special yeah that's a that's a great show. any any um plans for any upcoming mountings of that or do any there, no, but there... I want to let you know, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, last year I filmed the uh, movie version of it, oh. and uh, which is really beautiful. Uh, we did it at the San Diego Rep during COVID and uh, wow. with a small crew and, and we filmed it. Um, it was streaming with San, uh, it was streaming on San Diego's platform for a while uh, last year, but uh, uh, I'm sure we're going to bring it back again. Oh, that would be that would be amazing because that's such a mm -hmm. beautiful show. I would love to see that. 
Yeah. 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 We're going to have to stream it again. It was a uh, short lived, but no, but the film is really nice. It's really nice. That's, that's awesome. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I, I have other ideas for shows for one, one person shows. We'll see what happens. Um, back in the nineties, I did one about Cantinflas. He was like the uh, Mexican Charlie Chaplin. Uh, yep. So it's, you know, I like to give tribute to people who have influenced me in this, in this case, you know, Chaplin, I mean, uh, Cantinflas was my like comic hero, you know, theatrical hero. And then Picasso was my, my visual artist hero. So those were, that wasn't like my, my tributes to them. That's, that's really cool. So Herbert, how long does it take you to write a play? I, you are so <laughs> prolific. I swear. <laughs> You're constantly working on stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, it's not that it's not that I'm prolific. The thing is that it's um, it's wise to have several plays at several stages, you know, so I'll, I'll have like, you know, four or five plays at different stages, you know, one's at an one's like an outline. Another one is like first draft. Another one is like 20th draft, you know. And so when they're ready to go, they're ready to go. Yeah. Um, so, so you're yeah, uh, so you're an outliner then you like to outline and have your plays arranged that way do you do you know how it's going Oh yeah end? yeah I yeah. like to have a yeah I like to have a roadmap as uh as you know as uh, Mabel will tell you she she's in my writing <laughs> class Yeah I like to have a strong a strong uh roadmap outline so I know where I'm going yeah And uh so you know I'll have an outline I'll have some scenes written um, I'll have another project that, you know, has, you know, they're all written, but, you know, they, they need reworking. Um, I'll have other plays that are like ready for workshops, meaning readings, you know, so I can get feedback. And then I'll have, you know, a play that's ready to go. And that's where that's where we can talk about uh, the play I have right now at uh, Onstage Playhouse. Yeah. Yes. That I'm really excited about. It's a, it's a play I wrote about two years ago. And uh and you know, did some rewrites, and now I'm really, really happy with it. And it's it's going to be playing uh, December second through the nineteenth on on stage Playhouse, and it's an it's an adaptation of a Christmas Carol. And um, you know, and everybody knows the Christmas Carol story, so I kept the story, but I I have totally changed the 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 the, the theme and the in the in the location. I I I, I set it in Cuba. Um, I said it in Cuba before, during, and after the revolution, there's a, you know, greedy sugar baron who, you know, in Havana, who, who's greedy and, you know, and is, and, and is miserable. And he gets a visit from Cuba past, Cuba present, Cuban uh, oh, wow. future. So the play, the play shows, the play shows how the Cuban people, so, you know, became socialists. But I, but I, but I show why, you know, I show the history why uh, Cuba became socialist. You know what I'm saying? It didn't happen just out of nowhere. You know, there was an there was an incentive to do that. You know, there was historical incentives to do that. You know, so I show how, you know, how Cuba was exploited, colonized by the Spanish and then the Americans, and you know, you know, exploited by their sugar. You know. Um, uh, they had a dictator named Bautista for many years. So the Cuban people were really fed up by the time Fidel Castro came around, right? And so they backed up Castro, you know. 
who became a socialist, you know, and that, you know, that, that created other problems, but that's what the play's about. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it shows the history of Cuba. Yeah. And so why did you, why did you choose Cuba? Well, um, I'm a, I, I went to Cuba many times uh, in the eighties and um, I was a big supporter of the revolution and uh, I don't support it as much now because it, I think it, it should have changed many years ago. But in the early days, I was a big supporter of Fidel and the revolution. Uh, I'm not a, uh, I'm not embarrassed to say that, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a basic, I'm basically a democratic socialist. So I, I support that kind of economic, um, you know, structure and social structure. And, you know, it seems, you know, and you say that, and, you know, people look at you like they're crazy. You know, that socialism is such a bad word in America, you know, and I just don't understand why, you know, I mean, you know, um, basic health care, education, you know, these things should be basic human rights. You know, we have the money. It's not like we don't have the money <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to fund these programs. Right. You know, they all say, oh, you can't fund that. Well, we fund wars like they're like for, like with no, no, you know, reason. But when it comes to social programs, we don't do that. So, so yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I really, uh, I really believe in that, in that, in that structure. And so, that's what this play is about. It's really unabashed. It's uh, unapologetic about my my political views. That's awesome. I love this idea of, of Cuba as a character, as the, the the different ghosts. I think that's that's fascinating. That's, yeah, I know. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't know the real history. You know, they just think, oh, Cuba, communists, oh, you know, bad. You hear but the word not. communist it, the, the, and it's the, like, the, 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 yeah, yeah. The, yeah, it's like the boogeyman, right? Yeah. But, um, but you know, you have to know history. You, and I, you know, history is such an important part of my plays. I think all my plays have history. It has to explain why. You got to go back to the past and know, you know, what, why we have the problems now, you know? Um, you know, people ask, well, why is there so many in, you know, Mexicans in California? Well, you know, only 200 <laughs> years ago, only 200 years ago, this was Mexico. You know what I'm saying? It's like, people like, really, really, you're really asking me that, you know, why there's so many immigrants? You know, it was like, you know, it was, people don't, don't know their history at all. You know, if this was Canada 200 years ago, there, there'd still be some Canadians around. <laughs> And then there would be people going, why are there so many Canadians? Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. Well, maybe not because you know, they're, they're not a, right. they're of a certain color. They're not, right. as, they're not as obvious yeah. as uh, some of us. Oh, gee. Oh, my goodness. So, um, uh, Herbert, um, with your, your most recent play, the one that's opening it on stage. A People's, People's Cuban Christmas Tale, yeah. A People's Cuban Christmas Tale. Mm -hmm. What type of workshop process did you go through to develop the play? Can you just talk about your workshop? Um, yeah, how um, you workshop this, one came, this one came fast and easy because again, it's a it's a it's an adaptation. So the structure of the play was very classic. You know, this everybody knows the structure. You know, of this play. Um, you know the. You, the setup of the you know you set up Scrooge and how mean he is to everyone and how stingy he is and then you have the three ghosts and then he changes his heart and then becomes a good person right so that's 
you know, everyone knows that classic structure. And so, so it was easy for me um, to adapt it to Cuba, especially because I know so much about Cuban history and, and just, it kind of just wrote itself, you know? And uh, it was pretty easy as far as adapting it. It, it just kind of, it just was perfect. It was a perfect metaphor. And, uh, but, you know, so I read it. I read it with uh, Amigos the Rep, uh, the, the ensemble we have there at the Rep of Latino actors. And we read it and I hear it. And then I, and it got, it got through some, you know, it went through some changes, um, minor changes. And then I showed it to James Darvis down at Onstage Playhouse and we read it the way it was written and he gave me some great great notes you know he gave me some really great notes to bring it to really contemporize it and make it appealing to everyone in in the and also make it appealing to the politics of now and so what I did what was big was I I made a lot of my characters that I just automatically assumed they were male you know in my mind I, I made them female mm. And that really changed the dynamic of the play, and it made it, it made it a feminist play. It made it a lot better. It just gave it gave uh, the female characters much more voice than I originally had. Oh, interesting. And so now, now I'm really proud of it, and it's like, oh, okay, now it really rocks, you know. Like I have a, a rebel soldier. That's a you know, I automatically thought it was a man, right? A soldier you know rebel soldier mm -hmm. but you know there's women in the army in cuba so yeah i made her a yes. woman rebel yeah <laughs> yeah um there's uh um and you know in the original screw in the original ca christmas carol um scrooge has a uh, he has a nephew right he has a nephew that comes in and says you know come over to the house you know and all that uh i made that a um a woman uh, played by Sandra Reese. Ah, uh, we love Sandra. A, oh yeah, no, she's a great. <laughs> oh no, the cast. This, this cast is amazing. I have Richard Trujillo as Scrooge. He's uh, he's the uh, artistic director of uh, School for the uh, Creative and Performing Arts, and yes. he's a, you know he's an equity actor that doesn't go out much, so he hasn't acted in years. I think he hasn't acted since my play uh, uh, Manifest Destinitis, which was oh, in wow. oh, wow. a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah he... and uh, I have Sandra Reese in it, uh, Vanessa Lopez, um, uh, you know, um, Hannah Trujillo, his, his, you know, he, and my daughter, even my daughter, she's making her debut in this, uh, this play. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's really cool. It's really cool. You know, it's really going back to my uh, community roots, my theater. I have, you know, I haven't really done a a community theater like this in a, in a long time where you know where you know where you just have to like hunker, hunker down and, and figure it out you know because the resources aren't there you know so you have to really figure out how to be creative with with very little resources so I'm I'm having a lot of fun going back to my roots and that's a great space it is a great space and it's a great great area you know the third third avenue down in chula vista mm -hmm. it's like you know it's like it's great it's like uh hipster central but it's all latinos you know yep that's my and, uh, and it's great it's just uh that's the, you see to me see that's the audience i want to reach yes that's the yes. audience that i want to reach in the, uh with my plays you know but when I do them in regional theaters, they don't come, you know. Yep. They don't. They don't hear about it. They don't. They're not marketed to. 
But hopefully with the play being right there in the middle of all these breweries, hopefully some of those uh, people will come and check it out. Yep, I love it. Breweries, quinceañera shops, panaderias, mm -hmm. taco shops. It's, I love it. I love it there. Worth that. I really love it. Worth that. Absolutely. Um, Herbert, you mentioned Amigos del Rep. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you did you create that group? Yes, I found found it around ten years ago. Um, yeah, I was at the Rep, you know, and um, and I kept hearing, and San Diego Rep's been really good about. Um, producing Latino plays, right? Mm -hmm. um, they've had a good track, super good track record. But I always heard Sam Woodhouse said, yeah, but we have to go to LA to find good actors, you know? And I said, no, no, you don't. They're here. You know, they're here. You, you're just not seeing them. You're not, get, you know, they're not getting the opportunities. And so I formed Camigos at Rep to show the Rep that, that there is a big a big pool of actors, writers, directors that they can pull from locally, you know? And sure enough, when I formed uh, Amigos of Rep, uh, everybody came out of the woodwork and joined the group. You know, they wanted to read. They wanted to get exposure. And, and a lot of those actors made it to the main stage. You know, a lot of them, like like Salomon Maya, you know, who, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, just different people that from the Rep have a, uh, have graduated from Amigos to the main stage. And that was the goal. That was my goal to, uh, to make the, you know, Amigos, you know, visible to other, to directors and to um, artistic directors, to hire people. And, and now, um, now it's run by Patrice Amen, Dr. Patrice Amen. She's mm -hmm. now the associate artistic director at the rep. And she also uh, leads the Amigos. And every year they do, for the past, I think, five years now or six, they have been doing a, uh, a real successful Latinx New Play Festival. Yeah, that's right. That's becoming, you know, that's become a real national treasure, you know, and, it's, you know, bringing in really great playwrights and dramaturgs and directors to work on it. So I think they do that in the summer, in June, I think. And that's been really successful. So, you know, so the Amigos took off, took off, you know, I just had to, make it happen and it's you know now it's taken off and it has its own you know trajectory that's so great that's that's so awesome okay i have another question one more question before we get on to our asking for a friend um mm -hmm. you have done you've done a few adaptations how do you decide what piece you would like to adapt like how do you make that choice because you've had some really cool ones yeah um, you know that's a good question i don't know i just either I see it I see it on stage or I read it you know and and then then like a then something some, something sparks in me saying wow wouldn't this be good I always look at that through a Latino point of view right 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 right, right. so I always you know if I'm going to adapt something I want to adapt it to a Latino point of view so I automatically say okay what would happen if this story was in Latin America or was you know in Chicanos or something. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it, I, it's not like I'm aggressively looking for the stories. They just look for me, you know? Um, I love that. I was, an, I was an understudy for Henry, Henry IV and at Oregon Shakes. Never went on, but I saw the play many times, right? Right. And, I, and as I was watching, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is just like barrio warfare, you know? 
you know, this is just, this is the same things that the barrio goes through, you know, loyalty and friendship and, you know, father, father, uh, son relationships, land, you know, territory, all this, all these things, you know, honor, all these things are the same things that, you know, that uh, gangs go through that talk about, you know, and I thought, okay, what if I adapt Henry the fourth into this huge, like gang land, you know, what would happen? And so I said it in the future, which made it more, you know, more Mad Max, more Blade Runner. And that was a real successful adaptation, I thought. Nice. That became L. Henry. L. Henry, yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah, that, and which I really want to mount again. Um, and, you know, people had, it's, it's just a big place. So it's been hard to get it remounted. But I'm, I'm looking, you know, a lot of colleges have, have mounted it, yeah. That's so cool. All right, Let's Herbert, here's the exciting part of this. Not that it hasn't all been exciting, but the, but this is the fun part where we do an asking for a friend. Tori, take it away. What is our asking for a friend question? <laughs> okay, Herbert. If you could hang out with any artist from the past, except Picasso, <laughs> <laughs> who would it be and why? Wow, that's a good one. That's a really good one. But, you know, I've been watching Get Back on uh, Disney. You know, the, the Beatles Get Back. Oh, yes. And, I haven't uh, gotten it. I haven't gotten to yeah, see that yet. You know, John, John Lennon. I think John Lennon is definitely one of those heroes, you know, not just musically. But uh, again, you know, he was also an activist. You know, he was also a humanist. And those are kind of those are the kind of artists that appeal to me that, you know, where they're, you know, they're great artists, but they're also great human beings, you know. They had something to say, you know, and so uh, yeah. So it's it's kind of it's so cool to be watching that documentary, but you know, and you know, just seeing seeing him, at, you know, at the age of thirty, you know, so mm. young, but yeah. but so uh, so together, you know. Yeah, young yet wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing, like when you look at the songs they wrote before they were even thirty. It's like how how wise those songs were, you know. It, it really is mind-blowing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And they they have staying power. You know, those are how those legends of rock, yeah, yeah, of theater, was, yeah. of any of those. It's, it's because they had that, that thing. Yeah, it's that thing. You don't know. Yeah. What you can't is quite that? put it's your finger on it, but they've well, got you know, it. <laughs> it's universal. It's, a, it's, it's what you call, it's something that's universal. It's good. It's universal. It's it's timeless, you know. Yes. And that's what you know. Picasso does that. You know, he's timeless. You brought it back to Picasso. You it back to <laughs> <laughs> so the so the perfect a perfect uh, dinner would be Picasso and John Lennon. Oh yeah, that would be like wow. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be really cool. I, I feel like that conversation needs to be written. So. I know. I was just thinking that. I'm like, I wonder if like a weekend with sounds Pablo. like a play. Sounds like yeah, a play. It does. It does. It does. It's a it's a weekend with Picasso, Atlanta, and Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that sounds fun. There you go. It sounds fun, doesn't it? All right. Yeah, that so, sounds fun. Mabel, do you want to take us into the final segment? 
Yes. The, fi the final frontier. A writing prompt? Yes. yes. Herbert, one of the things that we're big on on this podcast is leaving people with something to do. So, uh, so do you have a writing prompt for our listeners? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, what's your, what's your, um, what's a pet peeve of yours? What is a pet peeve of yours? And I'll tell you why it's such a good exercise because especially for writers, it's just like, because you start writing about a pet peeve of yours and then it, you'll see that it, well, what, what's a pet peeve and why, right? You gotta, you know, you gotta ask yourself, why is that a pet peeve? And you'll see that it's a really great exercise because you, 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 you'll write what the pet peeve is, but then you'll say why, you know, why it annoys you, how did this become? And so, you know, all these different stories start coming out, you know, and you get a pretty good picture of, of someone's personality and their wit and their uh, storytelling by just asking them that question. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a simple exercise, but I, I, I find it to be very useful for writers. And then, you know, I'll tell them, you know, oh, yeah, this is, you know, this is great. This is really, you know, I could tell if they're the humorous, you know, how humorous they are when they write it. Oh, how, um, oh, you're right. how, absor how absorbent, observant they are, you know, you know, it's because it's observational comedy, basically, right? You're like, you know, you're observing why, why, why does that bug me? You know, why does that bug me? Well, you know, sometimes it goes back to, you know, when you're a child, you know, you know, oh, yeah. a pet peeve. It, it, it gets psychological, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think even a young child can tell you something that annoys them. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, and, and one, one person's pet peeve might be somebody else's pleasure, you know, who knows? So that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's a great one. That's awesome. I really like that idea that, uh, uh, gosh, you just gave me an idea, Herbert, that some one person's pet peeve is another person's joy Obsession. right oh, that's exactly that's what i was thinking i thought ooh, i says a duologue <laughs> i don't know why but something about feet popped into my mind so oh. yeah oh gosh Obsession, uh. revulsion you know yes well this has been fun <laughs> yeah pervert this is thank you so much for taking the time i know this is a this is a busy week for uh, for you um so you have your show a people's cuban christmas tale opening this week and it's it's running um december 1st through the 19th is that correct yes thursday through sunday yes thursday oh so december 2nd oh december 2nd yeah second uh thursday through sundays uh 8 p.m and then sunday 2 p.m yeah Awesome. And that's at Onstage Playhouse. And we will put all of that Chilla information yeah. in the show notes. Um, is there anything else coming up that you want to tell people about? We know. Well, it's 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 a year away, but the rep is going to produce uh, one of my plays called Isaac Asimov Grandmaster Funk. Nice. <laughs> and, and this is another uh, literary hero. Isaac Asimov was the science fiction writer. And uh and so I've done this crazy mashup, you know, where he gets a, he gets a visit from uh, African-American robots <laughs> Wow! <laughs> from space. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. 
And so, you know, there's a lot of funk music. It's going to be fun. So we will definitely look out for that next year. That's exciting. Um, we will absolutely check out a People's Cuban Christmas sale. Yes, please. This month. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Herbert. Good luck. Break a leg with the opening. It's gonna Thank be you, Tori. Thank you, Mabel. It's a great show. All right. Thank All right, you, thank Herbert. You. Take care. Oh my gosh, that was such a great interview. I feel like I learned a lot about um, Herbert. I, I've known Herbert for a few years now, and um, but the, I definitely got some new insights into how he develops his work, how he approaches his work with the with the lens that he sees the world. It's it, it was really fascinating. Absolutely, and I think if you are a new playwright, it gives you some ideas too about. Um, just like Herbert did, reimagining an existing tale and and really um, maybe bringing in something historical and using your imagination to create something completely new. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Herbert. So, Tori, is this where we say goodbye? <laughs> I don't think we're quite saying goodbye. This is our season finale, but we have a lot of surprises in store that will lead up to season four. Even though this was our season finale, we are going to be doing something special. As the kids say, we're going to be doing a collab. <laughs> yes. We're going to be doing a That's what, I don't know. That's what my kid who has I a collab. YouTube channel has like, it's like doing, always does these random collabs, which is I would think is a collaboration. Are we allowed to say who we're doing a collab with? Do we want to say it or do we want to just like be like shock the world when we put out this? Well, and, and it's going to be a video, right? Is it going to be a yeah. video? So like, that's the thing. We've been talking, Tori, all these years about all these years. Like we've been around for like a year and a half, right? But, no. but all these years we've been talking about um, adding more content to our YouTube channel. And now it's finally going to happen. Oh, by the way, we never told people. Did we tell people that the tennis plays are on the YouTube channel? Uh, we didn't, but I will tell you that Tom Stewart, who oh, is God an, bless who, Tom Stewart. Yes, yes. He he was on season one of of Hey Playwright, and he is a, a f actor friend and a playwright Producer. and oh my goodness, he does a little bit of everything. And he has a couple he has a podcast, um the the Everything Sequel podcast. And he uh, he was in some of those plays for the tennis plays that we did, and he has been tweeting and resharing them, and that's fabulous. So thank you. But yes, those tennis plays are up on YouTube. If you want to check those out, you can just find us on Hey Playwright. Um, the, the YouTube link, I believe, is on our website as well. So I think it right? is. <laughs> If not, we will put it in the show notes. Yes. We'll put it in okay. The we'll put it in the show notes. Um, Tori's making a note to put it in the show notes. I, I am I am doing that. Okay. So we've got that. And yes, so we're going we're going to be doing that recording as a video, but we're also gonna be talking to someone who interviews other playwrights. And we'll get to talk to him about his work. And yes. that's going to be fun. Yeah. That's going to be super awesome. 
All right. Yes. So there's your teaser. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of other. Well, I don't know. Maybe not because I just finished school and I feel like I need to go hibernate for a minute before um, before, you know, I have all these great ideas. And then I'm like, uh, I still haven't tackled Christmas. You're done with Christmas shopping, aren't you? Pretty much. I still have a couple of things to do. It seems like even if I think I'm done, I'm not really done. I've so. done nothing, and I'm thinking about adopting the Mexican tradition of celebrating on January 6th. Oh, so, so So no presents until, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe I'll, the world is, my world is kind of chilling out this week, so hopefully, but then I have to go to the mall. Ugh, I think oh, yeah. I screwed myself out of Amazon. Like, I think no, I'm like too I late. think it still gets oh, from Amazon. Stuff. Everybody's yeah. getting books for Christmas. Yay. You know, Which, by the way, that's okay. That's ever anyway. That's right. So, um, cool. I wonder if this jade roller really works. So, so you Look. can't see it right now, folks, but Tori <laughs> is applying a jade roller on her face. Um, she says that it works miracles. Well, I don't know if it works miracles. I just got it, but it feels good. But it feels good. So it feels go. good. And our friend Marcus Rodriguez, the actor, who is also doing in it. the tennis place. He was also in the tennis place. And Michaela was in the oh, tennis place. Oh my gosh. Everybody was in the tennis place. Okay. You wanna you wanna you wanna be a star? You gotta you gotta be in the tennis place. Submit your headshot and yeah. resume to heyplaywright at gmail.com. Actually, you know, putting it out there, if you're interested, I mean, we are not going to stop doing these five minute play festivals we, we definitely right. have some oh my gosh we have some really cool plans for season four for a yes we're, uh, yeah 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 not putting it out there but just gonna do a daniel leave us if you're still listening <laughs> we have a we, right. have we have a date in season four coming up anyways um but yeah we're but if you're interested in in um participating as actors submit your info submit your info yeah yeah you know, that's what we're all about making connections. Yeah. That's that's what and and it's fun when you start to see see the same people pop up in your feed. You start yeah. to make relationships, meet people you never would have met. Yeah. So exactly. All right. With that, Tori, am I am I not gonna see you until like when 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 am I actually gonna see you again? This is weird. This is so sad. Oh, we'll see. I I have something for you, so we'll have to see each other. As you know, I have nothing for you yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I think it's too late for Etsy. Shit. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It Your is. friendship is enough. It is to me. Oh no, Your I do have something. I do have something for you, but it's it's but it's it's that's a little something. I, it's not. It it's the. Please don't worry about it. I, I I will get my act together. It's not just you, okay? I I have children that I have to uh, yeah, be Santa Claus for. So you know, it's a whole thing. Mm. So anyway, um, all right. So I guess we'll figure out offline when we're gonna hang out because uh, this is I hate goodbyes. I hate I know. you know the end of Sesame Street. Dun, dun, dun. Like, mm. So anyway, all right. We're not all saying right. goodbye. We're saying pause. Yes, <laughs> we're saying intermission. There will be a there will be, there'll be a, a there'll be a brief intermission. Week intermission. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.